Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. When you have a chance, check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. You'll want to check out our 2020 Best Buy list. That took a lot of time and a lot of pizza to compile, but it's well worth the effort. If you're not looking for a new car or truck, please check out the blog. We'll be talking a little bit about uh, what's going on there a little bit later in the show, but that's where the fun happens. Right now, I would like to introduce my co-hosts. She is Jill Simonillo. She is the newly minted editor-in-chief of AutoExotica.com. Jill, how's it going? And that would be AutoExoticaMag.com. Oh, just Auto Exotica. Mag, M A G. But if I'm just if I'm just describing it. Auto Exotica. Okay, Exotica. <laughs> all right. But good morning. I'm doing very well, thank you. Right. And again, that's not a gentleman's site. It is not a gentleman's all site. All right. Thanks for being here, Damon. Yes. Damon Bell, editor or no senior editor of ConsumerGuide.com, the glue that keeps that organization together. That's correct. I do uh, feel like an old horse. An old horse. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that where glue comes from? Glue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Elmers. Don't a lot of stories about horses end with a trip to the glue factory? It does, yeah, the glue factory. <laughs> All right. Yeah. After the first break, we're talking with Kurt Bell, who's a senior editor at Motor Authority and a North American Car of the Year juror. All right. We have some news. Some really interesting news. Damon, tell me what's going on. Uh, well, there, it, there was just a press release circulated this week. Uh, I think Ford Motor Company had previously mm-hmm. announced that there was going to be an all-electric Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week they announced that they are partnering... Uh, with one of the new EV uh, startup manufacturers to produce that new Lincoln, and that's Rivian. Uh, Rivian has made waves uh, by showing these very boxy, uh, a very boxy pure electric pickup concept and a similarly boxy uh, SUV concept. Uh, and wh- wh- they're, they've got a plant, and that's in... Normal, Illinois. Yeah. They mm-hmm. took over the former... That's the old Mitsubishi Diamond Star plant Yeah, that was opened in the 80s, and they bought that for something like $16 million, or for free. <laughs> as as, as yeah. plants go, as, yeah. that's uh, fire sale prices. So it's an, this is an interesting development, uh, and it's something that we've kind of talked about, too, that we are seeing these established automakers partner with new EV manufacturer upstart companies mm-hmm. to to enter the EV market. So um, the, the press release was pretty light on details other than just announcing that partnership. And they also had a little animated graphic of the Lincoln logo kind of being rendered computer cursor style, very <laughs> EV looking uh, thing. But uh, not a lot of detail, but it's an interesting development nonetheless. be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. One thing that we need to remember, too, is going back a few years, Mark Fields, one-time CEO of Ford, was ousted in part because the public did not perceive that Ford was keeping up with technology and, and that they mm-hmm. weren't in the electric car game. And it's very interesting that Ford may have gotten into the electric car game very affordably. They bought a $500 million chunk of Rivian not too yeah. long ago. Amazon has a $700 million stake. So for, for half uh, 
for half a billion dollars, Ford has now got this this chunk of an electric car company that's going to provide them with something they're calling skateboards, which is a module on which you can build an electric vehicle. Now, what's interesting about this is that General Motors just dedicated, uh, rededicated the Hamtramck plant, right? Uh, which they're going to close down now for a year and a half, and then and then reopen after a two point two billion dollar upgrade to build electric vehicles. Right. And we're going to see one of these vehicles uh, at the Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl, uh, the new Hummer. Yeah. But but, I mean, there's so many variables here. But it looks like they Ford may have gotten in cheap if this is actually going to work the way it's going to work. Uh. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that it's a really smart thing too. Um, having a traditional automaker pair with somebody who's young and new and forward thinking, because they don't necessarily have the production chops that you know General Motors or a Ford would have. But they've got these great ideas. They just need somebody to help them implement it and then produce it and you know put it out on you know in in larger numbers. You know Tesla. What Tesla's been around for. 10 years now? More than that. Longer than that. And, and they're just now starting to ramp up production. So, you know, I it, because they didn't really partner with anybody. So I think that when you have these partnerships, especially, you know, between a Rivian, which um, is a pretty cool looking car with a neat idea behind it, you know, with a, a Ford, which is well-established and wants to push forward the electrification. If you'll remember, you know, they just revealed the uh, Mustang Mach-E at the LA Auto Show. So they've already put, you know, one toe into completely electrified vehicle. And, you know, this is this is like the the next step in that. And so, you know, I think it's it's certainly a fascinating partnership and I'm excited to see where it goes. I've, I've driven um, the Grand Touring version of the Aviator and it's really nice. Super, yeah, yeah. That's the plug-in hybrid. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. The the plug-in hybrid of the... The very gutsy plug-in hybrid. Yeah. What is that, like 400, 500? It's, it's, it's four, at least 400 yeah. horsepower. It might even be 500, like... All right, I was just handed a note from someone we haven't introduced yet, <laughs> but Amazon isn't in for the entire seven hundred billion. Okay. They're one of many investors in that Rivian. Yeah, of, of that one point three billion dollar funding setup. Uh, but an interesting thing to what, uh, just to get back to what you were talking about, Joe, about young and mobile and agile companies. But there's also this perception in the public's part that uh, that a brick and mortar old school auto company can't build an electric car. True. Right. I don't know how many people care that the Hummer is back, right. but a lot of people love the Rivian. Right. And a lot of people love the Rivian based on almost no information. Yeah. They came out, what are the trucks called? The one, the R1T R- and the R1S, yeah. and they look awesome. Yeah. And apparently looking awesome and being electric makes you progressive. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you're a cool truck company. Exactly. I don't know. I'll see how that works. But uh, Rivian is, is scheduled to actually start production like the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. I don't know when the Amazon vehicles start being delivered, but they've got this guaranteed delivery of 100,000 Amazon vehicles. And that factory isn't that big. It's a small factory for a U.S. manufacturing And those Amazon site. vehicles, those are electric delivery trucks. Yeah, unrelated, like not unrelated to the skateboard-based vehicles. Not for sale to the yeah. public, per se. Like, <laughs> yeah. So those can be among the, what has to be... 25 to 30 Amazon Prime delivery vans I see every single day around <laughs> Chicago. Which will be interesting because we've talked about how dented those are. Yeah. It'll be nice to see Rivian trucks all dented. Yeah. Within yeah. within a week and a half of them being on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So there you go. Yes. Lincoln. Lincoln. Maybe maybe based on a Rivian. Electrification. Right. So Jill. Yes. As an automotive journalist. Yes. You sometimes find yourself behind the wheel of test product. I do. What have you driven recently? 
Uh, you know, a lot of things, but what I really want to talk about this week is the all-new Hyundai Venue. Uh, I was just in Miami uh, driving... Sorry, is that how you say it? I have to say it that way. Why? I don't know. Miami. Miami. Um, because I that sounds had like, no idea what that, that was. That sounds like some kind of <laughs> Japanese food term. Like it's Bienvenido got great... Miami. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, and I also have to talk with a deeper voice when I do that. But at any rate, um, I was in Miami <laughs> driving the uh, Venue, which is uh, a new compact CUV from Hyundai. It's smaller than the Kona. Actually, subcompact. Yeah, yeah. sub sub subcompact. I, I want to say the wheelbase is like ninety nine inches or something like that. It's 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 very small, and uh, surprisingly well done for a vehicle that starts under twenty thousand dollars and finishes under like twenty four thousand hmm. dollars. So um, you know it has a, a base price around eighteen, um, and that does come with a six speed. Weirdly a six-speed manual transmission. Um, and then you'll, I, I think it's like maybe a $1,200 upcharge to go to the automatic. So you're looking at about nineteen five for an automatic transmission. Base and, vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they only have three trims. And the top tier trim is really interesting because it includes like all of the packages and technology and things like that. In addition to, it only has one color treatment and it's called the denim trim. So it has navy and blue two-tone treatment, which is really smart looking. Wait, wait, one color treatment for the top trim level? Yeah, so you can only get it in navy blue. Oh, okay, but there's other colors for other trim levels. Correct. So, okay. like, I think the, the one below it, I want to say, is the SEL trim, and that has all of the color availability, and then you can add in the packages. So you can basically equip the mid-level trim like you would a denim trim, huh. but um, with having the other colors. So the denim, denim trim. is the top trim level. Yeah, denim is the top trim, and, oh, and it's navy with a white top. It's only the only one that's offered in two-tone color, and then the interior... I thought there were others you could get two-tone. I don't think so. Hmm. Um, I'm like, I'm going to have to think about that. I think Navy might be the only one. Okay. And then um, on the inside, it has, um, like, denim almost looking seats. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really well done. But, I mean, the, the best thing about it is this vehicle has standard safety technology on it. So automatic, uh, you know, forward collision braking and um, the, the I think it's like lane keep assist. And then you can get available blind spot monitoring, available rear cross traffic alert. And, um, and so you're looking at a vehicle that's really well equipped with a lot of standard safety technology under... Twenty thousand dollars. So, what 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 does Venue compete with? So it's it's really interesting because at first I heard a lot of chatter saying, "Oh, this is the version, you know, Hyundai's version of the Kia Soul," but it's not. The Soul is actually like ten longer than the um, the Soul. The Soul has a subcompact footprint, but it's actually yeah, huge it's, inside. It's, it's very it's a large. very different vehicle. Um, and and so um, that's not a competitor. They're saying um, Hyundai is saying that the the Trax is a competitor, and Chevy the, yeah, the Chevrolet mm -hmm. Trax, and then the uh, Ford EcoSport. And then I also would lump in the Nissan Kicks in yeah. that category because of the pricing and the standard technology. And also the fact that the Kicks uh, and the Venue, neither one, uh, also the Toyota CHR, although that's a little bit different, those are the three vehicles in that class that you cannot get all-wheel drive in. That's correct. So uh, yeah. that's another distinguishing factor of the, the Venue that might be a detriment 
for some, if you want all-wheel drive, you could step up to the Kona. Well, but, but so they've done something really interesting with the venue where they've added is snow this the mode. snow mode? Yeah. yeah. And um, I have a video that I need to post to YouTube. I haven't done it That's yet. That's a but very they... interesting response to not offering all-wheel drive. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, not super expensive. But the way, and I, I don't have all the technical information in my head, but we saw a demonstration of them utilizing this system. And it looks like it works really well. I mean, you we didn't, we were in Miami. It was yeah. 80 degrees. We didn't. Did not, blow in fake snow for they you. They did too. not blow in fake snow. Um, what kind of so, a cheap event was that? <laughs> I know, totally. Um, but we, you know, so we we didn't have the opportunity to really test it ourselves. But seeing a demonstration, like looking at that, I'm like, ah, I could do that in Chicago, and I, I would have no problems getting through an unplowed alley or getting out of my parking spot. So it was spot. just a traction control system, or yeah, it's just like a more aggressive traction control okay. system. Yeah. So so starts around twenty grand with an automatic. Yes. Um, almost certainly means the death of the Hyundai Accent. Yeah. You think so? <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. Probably, because you're hitting the price point pretty close now. Because how much cheaper can you do an Accent? About a grand and a half? Yeah, I can't remember what those... Yeah. What bro- All right, Joe, we need a letter grade. Uh, I, I actually, for what it is, I give it like a solid A, bordering on A+. And wow. the only reason it doesn't get an A+, is because the Nissan Kicks for 2020 now offers standard automatic reverse braking. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to driving the venue. Uh, I, I like cheap vehicles that mm-hmm. have a f- spunky personality, mm-hmm. and the venue definitely looks to have well, that. And it handles really well in an urban situation. I, I'm, I'm not a calm driver, especially when I'm surrounded by stupid people who um, <laughs> don't know how to stay in their lane or drive. And so I tend to zip in and out of traffic a lot. And so when we were in Miami, and you know the, the people there are just like, oh, look at the pretty buildings and lollygagging along. And so I was darting in and out of traffic trying to get to the highway. And it has really nice torque for where it's at and the size of the vehicle um, it, that allows you to zip very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's an economy class vehicle. It does have, you know, road noise coming into the car. I don't mean to make the, right. this, you know, oh, it's, you know, the answer yeah. to all vehicles it's not a ever. vehicle. It starts at 18, but, you know. But for what it is, I just thoroughly enjoyed it and thought it was a great vehicle. So, interestingly, just a couple of years ago, Hyundai was, was slammed by investors and people uh, armchair quarterbacking that they didn't have enough or as interesting a crossover lineup as they should have. <laughs> now they have five crossovers. Yeah. I know. Now they, they, what, so and they, all of them are new except for the Tucson. Yeah, because they have the Basically. venue, yeah. Kona, mm-hmm. then the Tucson, Tucson. Santa Fe, yep. and then the... Palisade. Yeah. Oh. I would also like to point out that the venue uh, is the first vehicle in a very long time to have a denim-looking interior, which <laughs> brings to mind, if you're of a certain age, you remember the Levi's edition AMC Gremlin of the 70s. I'm My 77 Jeep CJ7 had a denim interior. Oh, it did? Yeah, it was actually Levi. Yeah, well, I suppose that's AMC. Well, that would have been AMC at the time as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so. it was already AMC. I just think that for no other reason than reviving the tradition of jeans as upholstery, <laughs> we should all tip our hat to the well, All right. You know, I, I, one more thing that I have to say. Like, I literally, I can't say enough good things about this vehicle, but the other thing that they've done is they have all these great little finishing touches. Like, the wheel covers look nice. The um, Cool colors, the, too. The cool colors. They have the... Um, on the air vent, there's little images on the air vent tab to, like, turn it off, close it, or open it. And so there's, like, little images on that. You know, the stitching. Like, this Attention is... Attention to detail, fitching. even in a cheap yeah, car. Yeah, this is a finished vehicle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cars in that price range, like, don't do that. So I, I can't say enough good things. All right, Hyundai Venue goes on sale when? Soon. 
soon. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Kirk Bell. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for being here. You can follow me on Twitter. I am car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. That's car guy Tom. Uh, you can do it. You should do it. Well, just do it now. We'll wait. <laughs> just follow me on Twitter. I need more followers as a contest. All right, our first <laughs> guest today is Kirk Bell. Uh, Kirk is... Uh, you've seen his work published in the Chicago Tribune, the New York Daily News, and MSN Autos. He spent some time at Consumer God Automotive, too. Kirk has edited several, edited several award-winning books, including Hot Rod and Custom Chronicle and NASCAR Chronicle. Today, he is the senior editor at Motor Authority and a North American Car of the Year juror. He is Kirk Bell, and he is right here to my left. Kirk. Hi, Tom. Hi, How's it going, man? Hi, Jill. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here. You, you, you found the place Okay. Yeah, yeah. I could barely park the vehicle that I had. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. And you got a donut. I did get a donut. All right, yeah. we're cool. Kirk, I made a mistake earlier. Tell me what it was. So uh, I'm with Motor Authority. We do a lot of news every day, and yeah. I just edited a story on the uh, Lincoln uh, Rivian uh, thing yesterday, and I wanted to make sure that we got the story right, so now I can help you get the story right. <laughs> well, thank and you. And that is that Amazon was part of a an investment push uh, for Rivian, that was seven hundred million dollars, but Amazon was not all of it. Ford then did five hundred million, and that was all Ford. This is uh, no million, five million. Yeah, yeah. five hundred million. Yeah. And then, and then there was an, another investment round that was one point three billion that included Ford and Amazon, and an, an, like an investment company. Hmm. So Ford could be in for a billion or so. We don't right. know exactly how much they're in for. Okay, so but Ford it's is more, in more than five hundred right. million. And they've they, so they've they've wrapped up almost two and a half billion dollars in investments. Then, yeah, they've had rolling. other rounds too. I believe. I mean, uh, of all these uh, EV startups that we see come and go, Rivian looks like it's the one that's going to actually make it. Yeah, it does, and it's well financed. Thank you for clearing that up. I appreciate it, uh, Kirk. You are a North American Car of the Year juror. Yes. And you guys just made uh, your big annual announcement. Right. I was also the secretary treasurer of the organization for the last two years, which was like having a part-time job that you don't get paid for. So yeah. that was fun. Yeah. I was going to say, it was super fun, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was great. Um, I, uh, <laughs> after we announced our awards uh, almost two weeks ago now, um, that was my last day as uh, oh. uh as, You're a free man. Yes, yes. Now I just Freer. have to juror instead of secretary treasurer. Yeah. So um, anyway, so let's well, go wait, wait, on wait, to do the one. Refer to you as secretary bell now in perpetuity. Uh, uh, I want uh, secretary treasurer emeritus. All right. <laughs> so. And, and uh, that would be Mister Secretary Treasurer Emeritus. The honorable. Yes. You. The honorable <laughs> Mister. Yes. Oh yeah. no, I wouldn't go that far. Right. Well, well all right. Just <laughs> business. Not, are you getting new business cards made up? No, that on it. no. They don't make business cards that long. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Uh, so you we, a, wait a minute. Where were we? You had an announcement you guys made a yeah, couple of weeks so, ago. So uh, the North American uh, Car and Truck of the Year organization is 50 jurors from 
50 journalists from various outlets across the country. Uh, so it's really, uh, I think it has a lot of integrity because of that, because, uh, you know, no one organization deci- decides what happens. It's, it's the opinions of, of 50 jur- journalists. And we named uh, the three, uh, our three award winners. Uh, the North American Car of the Year was the uh, 2020 Chevrolet Corvette. The North American Truck of the Year was the 2020 uh, Jeep Gladiator. And the North American Utility Vehicle of the Year is the 2020 Kia Telluride. The, the Telluride is getting a lot of accolades. Oh, yes. Everywhere. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of a clear sort of industry-wide, whoa, that's a pretty big success. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, when you guys vote, how do you guys vote? So, in the final round, each juror is given 10 points to a lot, however they want. They could give them all to one of the three in, finalists. In each category? Yes, in okay. each category. So, there's three finalists in each category. You could give 10 points to one. You could give three, three, and four. You could give seven and three, however you want to do mm. it. Um, the, the issue with utility was that the Telluride has a sister vehicle in the Hyundai Palisade. Which was also a finalist. Which right? was also a finalist along with the Lincoln Aviator. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk that which do we like better? Some people like the Palisade better. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the Telluride won because it's simply so good looking. I would. I think I would agree with that. And I usually don't count looks as how good a vehicle is, but when you have a family vehicle that is usually pretty boring, I, like people don't like minivans because they're too boring. <laughs> uh, people sometimes don't like SUVs because they look like soccer moms. You drive up in a Telluride, and it looks like it's, it's been chopped and channeled, and it's okay. it's a cool and yeah. I, I, vehicle. I, I still. Am in awe of how well they were able to. I, I would call it like styling bandwidth. How they managed to make it look rugged and elegant at the same time. They you have, could imagine yeah. pulling up to a country club in it, or with a little kind of trim change, black wheels, and maybe a roof rack or something. You could imagine going to a butte in Utah. You know, yeah, like it, absolutely. It, it looks great in either setting. It's and funny. It's, I was I was speaking to another uh, Natoy juror, North American Gardier juror who mentioned that it was impossible to ignore the Telluride's looks in voting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one issue that we feared is that these vehicles are very similar. They drive very similarly. Um, they have the same engines. They're based on the same these, platform. You're talking about the Telluride and then the Hyundai Palisade. And the Palisade. Yeah, very similar. And uh, do you split the vote and then neither of them win? Mm-hmm. Um, so in my final vote, I gave some points to Telluride more. Uh, and but I also gave some points to Palisade just in case the jury went that way, and I didn't want uh, I think one of these two very good vehicles. There may be wisdom to miss in your out. voting system that it, it prevents perhaps two vehicles from canceling each other out. Possibly, yeah, Possibly. because you can because you can split it. If if everybody would have decided, you know, if half would have decided to go all in on one and half on the other, it could have mixed it up, mixed it up, or or you could have had a situation where, well, I also like the aviator, so I'll give them some points, and all of a sudden the aviator rises to the top. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but they were all good vehicles. They were all good choices. All right, how about the Corvette? The Corvette. 
little bit controversial because it's not out yet. Uh, <laughs> we had to uh, sort of stretch the rules, but the rules say that the vehicle has to be out on the market within a reasonable amount of time from our awards. And it's supposed to be available in February. Um, I know they're out enough to have like wheels stolen off them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happened. And, 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 uh, and engineers story. arrested. So. Yeah, tell that yeah. story. There was a uh, a news item that uh, a new C8 Corvette was in Detroit somewhere uh, and had its wheels uh, stolen. It was up on Parts. block. Yeah, up, yeah. up on block. Which is Parts. interesting because you have to hold on to those for a while till someone wrecks his Corvette and needs new wheels. I, think <laughs> I saw, but I think I saw they there were they were listed somewhere already. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be tough to find that tough, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dumb eBay crook. <laughs> Volume one. So yeah. what Chevrolet made sure that the jurors all got into the Corvette and um, we drove it um, on the street. Um, what, one thing that we have for Nactoy is a, a fall drive where we get the uh, what we call basically the short list. The, the, it was uh, about 40 vehicles that we get together and we drive them very all. short list. Right. Well, <laughs> we start with all list. the vehicles that are new or significantly updated for the year. Uh, and then we whittle that down to the short list. That's uh, it's 12, 12 and three. Uh, this year, uh, or was it five? And um, I think there were five trucks initially. Hmm. 12, 12, and five. So there were 41 different uh, vehicles. Oh, no, no, 29. And then... Um, <laughs> uh, and then after that, we will it, whittle it down to just three in each category, and then we vote on those final three. So you said the Corvette was controversial, but was it was it close, or...? It wasn't close. It okay. was, in fact, the biggest winner that we had. Yeah. It got 332 points the Hyundai Sonata got 133, and the Toyota Supra got 35. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, there's no legacy love for the Supra at all. Well, the Supra, I can talk about this in a little bit, but the Supra is a really fun sports car, but it has sort of a major uh, dynamic flaw that uh, we experienced. Hmm. Oh, and you'll be talking about this soon? Uh, yeah, we can when we get to the best car to buy. Oh, okay, great. Mm -hmm. um, talk about the Corvette. We haven't talked about the C8 Corvette yet on the show, but this is a big deal. You would think that the interest in Corvette seems to have been in decline for a couple of generations now, at least in terms of sales. And then, and then Chevy decided to go with this thing that has been rumored literally since the dawn of man, <laughs> that they would move from a front engine to a mid-engine vehicle. Yeah. Dawn of man, dawn of protozoa, whatever. <laughs> okay. It's been a while. But then they actually did it. And then everyone's fascinated by this car again, which is awesome. Absolutely. Well, the the big question was, if they're going to do a mid-engine car, is it going to be a $100,000 car? Is it going to be an $80,000 mm -hmm. car? And it's not. And they kept it uh, under sixty, um, which is which answers a lot of questions. Because I my thought was, keep the C7 Corvette and build another Corvette that's a, a different model. It's a higher-end model that turns into the mid-engine car. Well, once you keep it under sixty. There's no point in There's doing no that. Point at all. The question is now, how do you sell an Acura NSX? Well, that's a good... I mean, you don't. <laughs> they don't sell them anyway, but it is a great car. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing car. And, mm -hmm. and it's it's a... And even though it's $150,000 or so, it does offer performance of a supercar that might cost twice as much. So, uh, the problem is that the Corvette will do probably the same. Yeah, that is sort of a problem. You guys also picked the Gladiator. So truck of the year, is that necessarily pickup truck? 
It is supposed to be pickup truck. We had a situation a couple of years ago where we named a, I think it was a Lincoln Navigator as a <laughs> truck because it has a body on frame. Mm. That was a situation that was the board was in a tough decision, a tough yeah. situation. There weren't that many trucks. They included that. Uh, I wasn't part of that board, but um, yeah, so... I'm hoping that there's enough trucks every year that that doesn't have to happen again. But in the future, that could easily happen again. Will they decide, okay, well, if it's a body-on-frame vehicle, they might include it as a truck. Hmm. The, the Gladiator is one of those vehicles that, that like a mid-engine Corvette, like the fan base and journalists were screaming, build us, build us a Wrangler pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Yes. And after, after a long time of promising, he, hinting, teasing, Jeep has done that. Uh, absolutely, and they've done a great job of making it exactly that. Um, I don't think they've done a great job of making it a everyday vehicle. Quite honestly, it's really expensive. It's expensive, yeah. and uh, you know it has that kind of Jeep ride. Uh, the steering is really numb, and I mean it, it has uh, what's the term for? It doesn't have rack and pinion. What's the other t- type of steering? Uh, rotating ball oh, or whatever. Oh, rotating ball. Yeah, that's yeah. old school. Yeah. I mean, so that leaves a lot of slop on center. Um, sometimes you're driving down the freeway. Recirculating ball. That's circulating ball. Yeah. Sometimes you're driving down the freeway and it's it's right there and then all of a sudden it sort of just goes away and you're just sort of, uh, oh, I got to get it back into into its lane. It's a little messed up. So. Hmm. Uh, but, but that is all good for its <laughs> off-road capability, which yeah. is absolutely outstanding. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting vehicle. I've driven it. It's fun. You know, early sales are kind of disappointing and there's a huge supply of those sitting on dealer lots right now. So they Jeep may have found the top price for that vehicle. Could it be that they decide that their effort to print money and maybe be a little greedy on this thing is biting them? Maybe. It's a little expensive. Because when it came out, I think a lot of people were asking themselves, well, this is a compact pickup truck. How are they going to price this thing relative to the Wrangler? Because compact pickup trucks cost less than the Wrangler. Yeah. So when they price this thing more than the Wrangler, we're like, oh, well, that answers a lot of questions. And you're yeah. right. They were trying to print money. Right, and, and maybe that printing press is going a little slower than they thought. Yeah, maybe they could take, you know, 10, 15% out of their 200% markup on yeah. the thing. <laughs> but that said, it's a legit off-roader. It looks cool. It does cheap things. Yeah, and people love it. I, yeah. When yeah. I had one this summer, I had people giving me the thumbs up on it. And oh. and I didn't even do the cool stuff that you can do with it. would take the top off and the doors off. And, yeah, right. And, We're you know, it's the only convertible truck. In that respect, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, enough of this North of North American Car of the Year uh, stuff. You, <laughs> you are also involved in the voting for something called Best Car to Buy. Yes. So we are three websites. I'm Motor Authority mostly, but we're also the Car Connection and Green Car Reports. And we name a Best Car to Buy for each website. Motor Authority is uh, Luxury and Performance. The Car Connection is Mainstream. And Green Car per- Reports, guess what that might be. Wow. Um Cars that are painted green. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we, in October, we got together uh, in uh, northern Georgia, the Blue Ridge area, and then we we spent a day at uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park uh, on the track. And you called this work. And we called <laughs> it work, and it was actually quite a bit of work. But um, so we named uh, our three. Uh, best car to buy choices, one for each site. All right. And 
the Motor Authority best car to buy is the 2020 Porsche 911. That was redesigned for 2020 or for yes, 19? 2020. Okay. This time last year, I was on the drive program for that. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, the car connection named the Kia Telluride is best car to buy. I could almost have guessed that. And <laughs> Green Car Reports named the Audi e-tron. SUV. Interesting. Mm. Yes. Another car that's not selling well yet. I have not. Has anyone here driven the e-tron? Mm-mm. Yeah. Sure. That is Audi's first all-electric vehicle for the U.S. And I think ever. Uh, they've had. I, well, I think they've had. There was wasn't a there a three or something e-tron? Maybe. But the the e-tron SUV is basically the size of a would-be Audi Q6. It's sort of in between the five and the seven. And it's it's just like an SUV. It's uh-huh. what's amazing about it is how little it changes as, a, as from a gas vehicle to a hmm. to an electric vehicle. It's really really good. Uh, the problem that we're seeing with anybody but Tesla is that they can't get the range mm. that Tesla can get, right. and uh, its range is like 200 miles, 204 or something. And, and that happened with the the Jaguar I Pace, and that yeah. happened with the Porsche Taycan. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're not quite seeing that range, right? But we found that it drives so well, and it's it just integrates into a. It makes a transition to EVs pretty easy in far, as far as how it's not a different thing. Just You're not going to day experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Now, this Porsche 911, I've heard of this. This is a nice car. <laughs> it's So, on, a, on our day of testing at Atlanta Motorsports Park, we had uh, five entries. Uh, let's see if I can remember. One was the Supra. The Hyundai Veloster N, mm. uh, mm-hmm. the Mercedes AMG GT, uh, Ford Coupe, and the BMW 8 Series. And the way we set it up is we went through all the cars, and the 911 was last. And going through all those cars, you know, each had their pluses and minuses. And actually, the Veloster N was moved up to the top of our list. And then we got into the 911, and it was like having Larry Bird play horse <laughs> with your kids. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's it was who's second is, is what it asked. It is mm. so good on a track, and it is so good on the street. It is so planted and predictable. And powerful, it feels like it has more than 443 horsepower in the 4S model that we had. It's so poised, you can't, you have to really try to get it out of control. You have to do control. really dumb stuff. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't do any Which of that. Which is funny, yeah. because the 911 actually has the, what is almost an inherent design flaw. Yes, it has 62% of its weight. Behind the rear axle, essentially, it's on the rear axle. It's, but it's so right. funny it's that Porsche, off Porsche has literally spent the entire existence of that company correcting that flaw, and they've done it with magic. And they basically. will never mm-hmm. actually take away the flaw, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so now, speaking of flaws, let's get back to the Supra. You, you right. mentioned oh, yeah. that earlier. Yeah. Like. So this this track has this long. Uh, sort of carousel turn that you go from it it sort of links three turns and you build speed as you're turning left and then there's a there's a transition back to the right and during that that build up of speed moving to the left you feel the rear end bobbling back and forth it's like it and it it's like which tire is going to take the 
the traction when it should obviously be the outside tire. So what we think is going on is that the limited slip differential is locking and unlocking and sending the power back and forth, sort of torque vectoring it in the wrong direction. Mm. And it is absolutely, it's scary when you're building, because you can come out of that turn at 90 miles an hour. Right. And while you're turning left, you're going 90 miles an hour, and the rear, the rear end is bouncing back well, so and forth. So did Toyota have anything to say about that? I mean, have you it's asked a, them? Well, it's essentially a BMW well, uh, situation, and uh, we have not... We Explain tried, that. Explain that. So the, the Toyota and BMW created these vehicles, and the parts are basically just BMW. Uh, it's a BMW platform. It's a BMW engine. It's BMW engineering, and then Toyota... Took it and and uh, Toyota it and Toyota fight it and <laughs> what they did was they they tuned it. Oh, we had one more vehicle. We had the BMW Z4, mm-hmm. which is this the which convertible is the analog to the Supra. Yeah, it's the convertible version of the Supra, which is a coupe, and the Z4 had the same issue, okay. but not as bad. Well, so clearly it was something that Toyota did. On top no, of something no, BMW Toyota did. No, didn't control it as well as BMW okay. controlled it. But it's it, the same problem is in both but vehicles. And so nobody, you, have you asked about it? or We we tried to ask. I don't think we got the right people. Like, next time I'm on, on a BMW or with BMW people, I'm going to have to ask. Or It's one of those things where you can't necessarily ask the PR guy. You need to talk to an engineer. And, right. and maybe talk to him first. Yes, <laughs> right. Before, before don't the PR let the PR person, guy know. So that don't let him walk you what over. the heck is wrong with your vehicle? Right. Yeah. If there are any BMW engineers listening, right. you can contact Tom directly <laughs> at Car yeah. Guy Tom. Well, the good thing about this is you'll never see this on the street. You need to load up this vehicle and drive it so hard to get this to do this right. that you'll never. It, it's not anything that people are going to experience maybe ever in the vehicle unless they take it to a track. Hmm. All right, Kirk, we are about out of time for this stuff, but thank you so much for being here today. How can we find the story about your best cars to buy? So you go to MotorAuthority.com. We had uh, a whole suite of stories about this. We had stories on each of our uh, um, nominees. We had stories on the cars that didn't make the cut. And we had a really good story um, that was basically... um, how we named the 911 the winner, where we got quotes from all of our uh, our six editors that were on the event, and uh, so we have some pretty good insights in there. That's a that's a that's a fun story to read. Excellent, we will do that. Uh, I love all three internet brand sites. I am especially fond of the Green Car Reports. If I need to know something about a plug-in hybrid vehicle, I go there. It, Actually, it, I would say that Green Car Reports is the number one best site for green car mm-hmm. uh, information on the market with the most integrity. No dispute. Yes. Kirk, thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. Can you stick around and talk to us uh, after the break? Yes, I can. We will do that. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, Jill. Yes. Jill, how can the kids follow you in social media land? Uh, so you look for me, Jill Simonello, and uh, C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. And uh, I'm at Jill Simonello pretty much everywhere, um, but also um, looking for Auto Exotica magazine. 
So uh, auto auto exotic. I, I think we are auto X official on some, and then auto exotica official on others. So. Uh-huh. We're not based in New Jersey, though. That people are like, oh, are you going to be... Because there's a... a um, Everything is based in New well, Jersey. There, there's huh. a, an auto exotica car parts, like mechanical something based in New Jersey. And whenever you search for auto exotica, that's what comes up first. We're not them. Gotcha. Magazine. Damon? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars. There you go. All right. Uh, a repeat feature of the show has been the Car Stuff Power Quiz, and mm. today will be no exception. Uh, Kirk Bell has elected to stick around. Sorry, Kirk. And partake in this. <laughs> this is how we're going to do this. I'm going to throw out a question. Each one of you will pick uh, an answer, and then we're just going to score. So you can all, all three of you can score points on the same question. Okay. All right. This is the Car Stuff Podcast Car Color Power Quiz. Uh, I have... Yes. I have four colors to read to you. One of them is fake. <laughs> okay. One of them is fake. For the first color, uh, first car is the 2020 Lexus GX. Are you ready? Mm. You need to pick the fake. Uh, atomic silver, claret mica, copper, nebula gray pearl. I'll go first. Copper is the fake one. Copper. Well, now I just have to be different. I'll go with the claret, mica, whatever. Copper is the fake color. Um, the boys each <laughs> get a point. Copper was, like, too obvious. Come on. Number two, the 2019 Maserati Quattroport GTS uh, Gran Luso. Are you ready? The now colors he's just going to are... try and trip us up with something simple that's not the answer. He's crafty that way. <laughs> Bianco Alpi. Blue Passion. Wasn't he an opera singer? He was. Nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Died too young. Yep. All right. Bradapo Fiamigianti. Your Italian pronunciation my, needs some help. My yeah. people are cringing. Egregio. <laughs> yeah. I'll read them again because I did it so badly. Bianco Alpi, Blue Passion, Bradapo Fiamigianti, and Grigio. Oh, come on. So what, how do you spell the, set, the third one? Ba, ba, Bradapo is B-R-A-D-I-P-O. That's my guess. F-I-A-M-M-E-G-G-I-A-A-N-T-E. Yeah, I'm going with that one. All right. Can you read them through once again? Because I haven't had enough torture yet. Oh, is Bradipo... Is that all one? No, it's two words. So Bianco Alpi... No, is that one color? Yes. Bianco Alpi is obviously white. Blue Pachon. Pachon. That's green. Yes. Bradipo Fiegemiente. And Grigio. You guys have already picked. Yes. I'm you know going. what? I think I'm going to change. Okay. I'm going to go with Grigio. Grigio. It's a wine. No, that would be gray. It's gray. But it's Pinot Grigio. All right. Stick with that. I'm saying Blue Passion. And I said whatever the third one was that you couldn't spell or say. The Bradipo. Yeah. Uh, Fiegemiente. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's correct. That actually means flaming sloth. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 Woohoo! Right. Uh, it, did it say blue? Rome. Yeah, it's actually B-L-U, Passion. Yeah. Oh. Right. Isn't that French? Uh, no, and English, and, uh, yeah. All right. Mm. 2020 Buick Envision Essence. Red Chili Metallic, Dark Moon Blue Metallic, Ebony Twilight Metallic, and Pequio Red Metallic. Pequio. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pequio. I'm going to go Ebony Twilight. Pequio. Darn. Hmm. So, Jill. Ebony Kirk, Twilight, those two. are kind of redundant. Yeah. 
But Pakio isn't really if red. It's, if it's ebony, it's black, so it's not twilight anymore. I don't know. Oh, then, all right. You lose, Damon. <laughs> You're not even arguing with me. I copied that from a website. I, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, all right. You, are, you, are you sympathetic to my no, concern? not really. All right. Mm. All right, 2020 Dodge Challenger RT. Are we ready? Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. We have Frostbite, Stainless Stealth, Triple Nickel, White Knuckle. Stainless Stealth. Stainless Stealth. That was the first one. Frostbite. It's a color. Trust me. Don't go with don't, that don't one. Don't give him help. I think stainless stealth. You're all right. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the score here? Well, that was I your... think Kirk and I are tied yeah. with three. Three. And you oh. have two? Did I lose? No, we got one more. Oh. You have this a chance is... to tie it all. All right. This all right. one's tougher. This is the 2020 Kia Soul X-Line. These are two-tone combinations. The first one is gravity gray, platinum gold. Mars Orange Cherry Black, Nautica Pearl Crystal Sand, Neptune Blue Cherry Black. Well, we know that obviously Cherry Black sounds fake, but it's obviously not. Because it's in two of them. Right. Ooh. Well done. That's like Columbo. I think I saw her at a local club. <laughs> Cherry Black. Cherry Black. Yeah. yeah. Didn't she perform with the opera singer and the guy? <laughs> It's a weird combo. It is. She was a cigarette girl back in the 20s. <laughs> okay, can you read those through again? Yeah. I'm sorry, I always make you read them through again. Gravity gray with platinum gold. Mars orange with cherry sand. I'm sorry, cherry black. Nautica pearl with crystal sand. And finally, Neptune blue with cherry black. I'm going to go with the first one. Yeah, me too. Because those two colors just don't seem yeah, like they, they should don't, go together. Yeah, they shouldn't. Yeah. And well, if they do actually go together, like, ugh. I agree. Ugh. What was the first one again? That was gravity gray and platinum gold. And platinum. Just and to be different, I'm going to say Mars orange. All right. The correct answer was Nautica pearl crystal sand. Oh. That's the one I made up. Which so, means ugh. that you guys are at three. Yeah. You're at two. All right. We have a tiebreaker. I'm out of Uh-oh. money. You're out. Thank oh, you for oh. the tiebreaker. And I'll point out that I had the right answer for one, and then I changed it. So I think that's a tiebreaker, and I win automatically. Did wow. you say it in your out loud voice? Because I don't think I heard that. All right. This one's a sales <laughs> question. Are you guys ready? Oh. Okay. Which sold better Great. in 2019? Tiebreaker, this is for all the marbles. Uh, the Chrysler Pacifica or the completely forgotten Dodge Grand Caravan? <laughs> uh, the Pacifica. I'm going to go with the Grand Caravan then. Grand Caravan. Really? By a lot. Oh, because of fleet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Jill's the winner. 97,700 Pacificas, 122,648 Grand Caravans. Jill, you win an autographed copy of the quiz. Awesome. I now have two that I can frame and, and mat and put yeah, in my office. hand that to Jill. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you the secret is... Those are very valuable on eBay. <laughs> they you are super... You put your toast uh, <laughs> drawing on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, the, so the secret is, what do I think the answer is? And I thought the answer was Chrysler Pacifica, so I'm like, I'm just going to go with the opposite because I'm never right. <laughs> that's like that. That's like the Seinfeld episode where Costanza does exactly the opposite of what his instincts tell yeah. him and his life improves immeasurably. Yeah, exactly. Just go do the opposite. Hmm. All right. Hey, Damon. Yes. What's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog? Uh, we had a number of test drive reviews up in the last week. Do uh, tell. We have uh, the 2020 Toyota Corolla Hybrid LE. Um this, that, that is the car that, that sort of begs the question, 
Why do they need well, a Prius anymore? Why do they need a Prius anymore? That is oh. the question it begs. And the Prius is still very good. How do we do fuel economy-wise? We, we almost got 50 miles per gallon in uh, a mix of mostly highway, a little bit more highway driving, 65% highway driving, which is, yeah, typically hybrids, not as much of an advantage there, but still 50 miles per gallon, almost 50 miles yeah, per gallon. And, and that's impressive. a nice hybrid, too. Just, just to make your point, though, or the Prius point, I just drove the Prius to southern Indiana from Chicago. So lots of highway driving, relatively mm-hmm. high speed. And I got 44 miles per gallon. Okay. So oh. the dedicated hybrid vehicle, and it's not a direct comparison. It was a lot of highway. Then uh, the on the opposite end of the test drive and vehicle spectrum, <laughs> and I believe, Kirk, this is the vehicle you drove to the studio today in the 2020 Chevrolet Silverado 2500 uh, 4x4 Custom <laughs> with the 6.6 liter Gas. Which that is why is he what had I have. Yes. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that vehicle? That new engine. Yeah. And it's a little bit interesting because I think there may finally be some detectable pushback. Detectable pushback? Detectable? De- <laughs> despicable pushback <laughs> regarding how expensive the diesel engine option is on those vehicles. It's like 10 grand. Yeah. Mm. They're very, very expensive. So the gasoline engine got a little bit bigger and a little bit better this year. And yeah. that's a pretty good engine. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder what kind of fuel economy you're pulling down with that. Let me see what we well, did. I, think I just we got, got it. Scott. I think we got 11. <laughs> 11.1, and that was in a mix of 65% city, 35% highway driving. I will drive it up to Milwaukee this weekend, so we'll oh, see how it does. That'll be right. 12. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe. <laughs> um, and then uh, the we also did a test drive review of the redesign for 2019 Audi Q3. Mm, mm-hmm. um, that's a premium brand, obviously premium brand, subcompact uh, crossover SUV. A um, lot of interesting things about it. I don't think any of us at Consumer Guide really love that vehicle. No, and it's a vehicle I expect to love. Yeah. Makes really good use of space. Yeah. Interior's gorgeous. Um, but Has we, some funky orange suede. Uh, I, I was going to say I had that one. Yeah. I, I actually, I liked it, but I haven't driven anything from Audi in like years. And so that was the first thing that I've driven from them in a long time. And I was like, oh, and I, I, I you know, I didn't particularly like Audi and I drove it and I was like, oh, this, this would make me take another look at Audi. Yeah, there was some strange, and I think all three of our editors noticed this, or all three of the editors that went, drove it. There was some uncharacteristic driveline machinations that that Mm. were just unfriendly. Yeah. A little bit of bulkiness, a little bit of turbo lag, things you don't usually use when you just... Kind of sluggish off the... Yeah. From a stop and throttle pedal. And you don't expect that stuff from Volkswagen Audi, but there it was. Well, Uh, I... You know, I'm I'm in the Q8 right now and just swapped into it yesterday, and I have noticed some egregious turbo lag. And um, And it seems like the bigger the vehicle is, like the worse the turbo lag is. Because I, I, I seem to recall having a little bit of turbo lag in the Q3, but it wasn't horrible. And it's 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 bad, especially when the auto stop start engine turns off and then you're trying to like hustle into traffic. Like, it's bad. Well, the Q8, that's the new mild hybrid system. I haven't even looked at the spec sheet yet. Like, literally just yeah, got it. Yeah, interesting to see your mileage because we drove that. Yeah. That I don't remember turbo lag in the Q8. Uh, you don't. Huh? I, no. Like I was pulling out of the O'Hare like parking lot area at the valet, and like w- somebody had graciously stopped to let me into traffic, and I like took my foot off the gas, and then I was like putting or put, took my foot off the brake, put it on the gas, and it was like one, 
two, three. And so I like pushed down harder and then it finally went. But I was like kind of floating. It was very weird. And I was like, okay, this is freaky. I need to figure out what's going on here. John Beale, one of our editors, is, has this thought about Audi right now that's very interesting. And he thinks that there's an adaptive functionality to the drivetrain, sort of like we used to see with... Uh, they used to call them fuzzy logic transmissions, <laughs> and that once a vehicle gets to know you, it's probably an awful lot better, uh, especially yeah. in the case of probably, the Audi. That's pretty yeah. likely. Because Consumer Guide enjoyed the services of an A7 and an A8 in fairly short order, and those both use that new mild hybrid 3-liter um, engine. Um, and in, in, in the case of the A7, none of us really liked the drive time all that much, and in the A8, we loved it. So actually, here's a, here's a point, though. When I had the A8, I was very disappointed in the throttle response mm. in the comfort mode when you put it to the sport mode it was way better mm. it was to the point where i would have to drive it in the sport mode or the dynamic mode they call it right because mm. it the, the it's not it's not turbo lag it is literally they're taking the throttle mapping and and adjusting it down to be very very sluggish yeah well, so that's I, what's happening in I've your Q8. I've got it in dynamic mode, and I'm still... It, it's not as bad as when I was like first got into the car and it was in comfort mode, but I did notice it today coming here that it still was a little bit not great. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I'll play around with it more. Like, I, I have a full week to kind of get used to it and see how it's going, but yeah. It's weird. There you go. Damon, what else do we have? Uh, finally, uh, you did a... a, a We've got an article series called Forgotten Concepts, uh, or Forgotten Concept, where we... Uh, take a look at, you know, every year auto shows, they seem to have slowed down a little bit, the kind of pure concept vehicles. But, you know, traditionally every year at auto shows, manufacturers roll out various concepts. And it's, you know, some of them are iconic vehicles. Some of them kind of come and go and are you don't really remember them. So you've kind of taken on this series of, of giving a look back at concept vehicles that have kind of come and gone and, and sort of been forgotten. So the one that uh, you did this week was something that I didn't even know existed, uh, the Porsche C88, um, which technically is not a Porsche. It's basically, uh, it was a, a subcompact four-door sedan that Porsche designed expressly for the Chinese market at the behest of the Chinese right. government, right? Yeah, it was a contract engineering thing. Yeah, the, and it, show, it was shown at the 1994 Beijing Auto Show. Uh, Kirk is making a face. Did you know I, it existed? I had no idea. Yeah. And how many cars were on the road that uh, were for anybody from other than Volkswagen at that time? I suppose that's maybe why Porsche got involved. <laughs> Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah, there weren't a lot of outside manufacturers in in China at the time, but they were looking for a manufacturer, and we know that the Chinese love joint ventures, and that's what this was going to be. Well, they, they require joint ventures. They, mm. Well, they love them and require them, <laughs> yes, because they, they like a little a little tra technology transfer yes. during the meeting. Yeah. That's, a, that's a charitable way to put it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this vehicle, uh, there was a call out for, uh, uh, for people to design these concepts. Porsche was the only one that actually got, got as far as building a complete final concept. And then the government, the Chinese government, was like, "Man, nah, never mind." What did it look like? Was it decent looking? I, yeah, I think I've got it on my phone here. I think it's. Again, you can go to the the. Uh, yeah, if you daily can't, drive. if you can't see Damon's yeah. phone. <laughs> All right, we this are, makes me sad. 
That looks like a Hyundai Elantra. Again, 1994. It can't wear the P name. I'm sorry. I, I don't Thoros. think it would have if it would have made <laughs> on it. On that, that note. Far. On that note, we are completely out of time. Kirk Bell, thank you for joining us today. Thanks we for having me. Check out your stuff at where? MotorAuthority.com and uh, TheCarConnection.com and occasionally GreenCarReports.com. Sounds good. Jill, thank you for being here. Damon, thank, thank you, you for being here. Producer Paul, thank you for your service. Special thanks to the good folks at WCPT AMA 20 and my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. 